Let's pray. Lord, let the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight. For you are our rock and our redeemer. In your name we pray. Amen. God always begins with one. We've seen that in the story of God, haven't we? When he wanted to create the human race, he began with one person, Adam. And from Adam he made Eve, and on it goes. We saw it in the, in the story of the flood. God, out of the whole world, chooses one man to build the ark. Chooses one family to start over with. We're going to see it again today. Today we, we come to one of the most important chapters in Holy Scripture. Chapter 12 of Genesis, a pivotal point in Genesis, in the Bible. A point where God begins in Scripture to tell us the story that he will tell through the rest of Scripture, the story of how he saves the world, the story that only ends in Revelation 22, but really goes beyond. And today he begins that story by calling one man, Abram. Calls him to be the father of his people. God continues to do that in Scripture. The, the most important story, the, the story of the heart, is about one man in whom he seeks to make a whole new creation. In fact, to make, drive that point home, the, the, the Bible often calls this one man the second Adam. The new Adam. You know him as Jesus the Savior, the man who is at the heart of the whole story. And God doesn't stop in Scripture. You know, I took the kids today to the baptismal font because there in your life, on the day of your baptism, God called you. One person. And the fact that he calls you and that he called you and called you by name means that he has something he wants to do for you and through you. And that whatever it is that he has called you to in life, it's important. And so today... Just going to spend a few moments and we're going to look at the call of Abram and see what we can learn 
about God's call, about answering that God's call. And the first thing we learn is that God's call is always, to be called by God is always a gift of God's grace. Now here in, in Genesis 12, it says, Now the Lord God said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And we're going to come back to that. But what comes next is he talks about the why. He says, I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great. And so you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Now, why him? That's, that's the question I want to ask first. Why Abraham? Was he a better man than everyone else? No. We, we read through, and I'm going to talk about it in a minute, we read through Genesis 12 through 22, and we're going to find out Abram had lots of issues in his life. Was he already a believer? The Bible doesn't really tell us. So why choose Abram? But it wasn't because of something in him. It's because of something that's true about God. That God is gracious. That God loves and chooses those who don't deserve to be loved and chosen. And that includes Abram. I'll give you another one. It even includes the Apostle Paul. Think, think about what Paul wrote to Timothy about himself. He says, formerly, I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent. One of the, I think in one of the translations it says, a violent man. Because you know, Paul used to be called Saul, and he's the one who led the mob who stoned to death the first Christian martyr. Stephen, well, how in the world did God choose a man like that? Just, I received mercy. You know what mercy is. That means that mercy is when God withholds from us what we deserve, and he says, and the grace, that's his undeserved love of our Lord, overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. See, in spite of every reason that Paul had given God not to choose him, God chose him. And let me tell you, that's good news. That's good news for any of you who think including me, that there's no way God would ever want to use someone like you. That there's no way, knowing all the things that you know about yourself, that God would ever want you. Heaven knows. 
I've given him all sorts of reasons before and after not to choose me, and yet here I am. Look at what Paul says. I receive mercy for this reason. That in me the foremost, remember in the verse just before that I didn't put in here, he calls himself the chief of sinners, so that in me the, the foremost of sinners, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. In other words, the call of Abraham and the call of Paul are for you and me an example to say to us, listen, if God could choose those guys, if God could love those guys, well, then he can choose and love you. And he can choose and love me. Because God is a God of grace. Well, it goes on now. This is, this is the other thing. And this is not, leave that slide up there for a second because this is not, in my sermon. I'm just going to add one thing. God's call is varied. You know, I was thinking about it on the way in today. You know what God called? You know, we, we denigrate these things. But you know what God called Abraham to be? A father. Did you ever think about that? He called him to be a father and a leader and other things, but he called him to be a father. And it ended up not being the easiest thing in the world. See, that's the other thing. This is what I wanted to put up there. I didn't mean for you to go back. Go to the there. God's calling is not a calling to an easy life. The fact that God has, has called you doesn't mean now everything's going to be wonderful. Think about, think about what, what God said to him. He says, he says to Abram here, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Now, I shouldn't ask this, but I imagine there are a few of you in here who are 75 years of age or older. How would you like to be told, now, we're going to start your life over, and we're going to move you, um, we're going to make you leave everything you've known, the house you've settled down in, the place you've been, you know, and we're going to move you, and I'll tell you when you get there. You notice God didn't tell him where he's going. And his, his call is for Abraham to leave everything and move. You know, I, I thought about that as I read that, and I thought, you know, of course I was young and dumb, now I'm just old and dumb. When I became a pastor, I never I had any idea where I was going to go. I never, I, this is the honest to goodness truth. I think when I was young, I thought, Texas, I never want to live there. <laughs> God has a sense of humor. And I'll tell you another place that I never, ever thought I'd live, Germany. About the only place that I've lived, that we had lived before, was Wisconsin. And God didn't tell me ahead of time. He has just revealed it one step at a time along the way. What about you? 
Are your lives in a little bit of an uproar right now, some of you? I know some of you are wondering about your jobs. Some of you, I've been told, on a point where you may get transferred, but you don't know. There are others of you trying to make decisions about retirement. Right? I know there's a couple of you in here that are, are working through that issue. It's not easy not knowing what's coming. Now, the other thing I tell you about that is, uh, do, you, do you suppose, I, I just wondered this as I read this text, do you suppose that Abram got down the road and wondered, what in the world did I do? Why in the world did I agree to this? Do you think that Abraham might ever have regretted leaving his family behind, the, the parts of his family and friends, and, and, or asking those who went with him to make such a sacrifice? Have you ever regretted something? Have you ever done something and then, because you thought it was for sure what God wanted you to do, and then thought, wow, this doesn't seem like this could have been what God wanted me to do. What was I thinking? Have you ever at church said yes to something, to, to volunteer for something, and then ran up against a wind of resistance because other people in the church thought you should do it differently than that? I'm laughing. I hear laughing. I'll take that as a Yes. I've known Sunday school teachers who were so frustrated with their class that they wondered, why am I doing this? Now, I know that never happened here. I'm talking about previous parishes. I'll tell you another thing about following God's call and why it's not easy. Let you in a clue. You're a sinner. So was Abraham. Abraham did all sorts of crazy things along the way that he shouldn't have done. One of them, the biggest one I think, is that he and Sarah get tired of waiting for God to provide a child. So they devise this plan with Sarah's servant girl, and the result of it all, when they take it in their own hands, is Ishmael. We still fight that battle because of that choice. And the conflicts today in the Middle East. Or, you know, you're told that you should, if you make one mistake once, you know, that's okay, but twice, that's crazy. Abraham makes his wife lie on two different occasions telling people that she's his sister, which kind of, in a roundabout way, she's related. 
And both times, it gets both of them in hot water. God calls sinners. And folks, as you follow him, temptation is going to come. Because the enemy works overtime on those who say yes to God. And there are going to be times when you fall flat on your face, right? There are going to be times when you fall into traps of your own devising, your own making, and you're going to sin, and you're going to make mistakes. Let me tell you something. Previous parish... Sunday school teacher came to me, said, I'm not going to tell you what, but something had happened in in his or her life. Pastor, I should not be a Sunday school teacher anymore. I looked at him and I thought for a moment, I said, okay, I'll make you a deal. If you can find somebody perfect to take your place, you can quit. As far as I know, they're still teaching. <laughs> Folks, just because something is going to be hard doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. How many of you have kids and grandkids? Was that the easiest thing in the world to do? But not a one of us here would trade in those children in our lives for anything in the world. No, God's call is not a call to an easy life. But the fact that it's not easy, the fact that it's challenging means it's an adventure. And it's the best life that you and I could ever say yes to. See, this is the thing you need to need. No, obedience to God's call is the fruit of faith in his promises. Remember what he says to Abram when he calls and leaves? He says, I will show you. See that? Go to the land I wish he promises Abraham. You don't know now, but you can trust me. I'll tell you when you're there. He also doesn't tell him at the point. Now this is, he says, by the way, I'm going to give this to your children 500 years from now, or 600 years from now, about time of Abraham. Just trust me. I've told you this before. You don't need to fear what the future holds. As long as you know the God who holds the future. And that's the God who loved you so much that he gave his son. That's the God who bore your sins on the cross, who died and rose again. You can trust him. Look at what else he promises. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name. There's so many promises here, it's unbelievable, so that you'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. First promise I want to look at there, he promises to take care of us. And when I read that, I thought of a story from a few years ago in ministry, we took a group of 70 to uh, Mexico 
on a mission trip, and within two or three days, 35 of the members of that group were sick, and we had to send them back across the border into El Paso, into the hospital. And I was sitting there wondering, what am I going to do with these other 35 kids? And while they were in the hospital, my youth minister called and said, Pastor, there's some, a nurse here that says her, her church has a retreat center here in El Paso, and this is the only week in the entire summer when that retreat center is empty, we can use it. Well, it gets better. We had a devotion. I'm walking out, I'm talking to somebody, I don't remember who it was, I said, you know, with these kids coming back out of the hospital, it'd be really great if we had a nurse car pulls up. I'm not kidding. Right in front of me, it's somebody from the church. Do you need anything? I said, it'd be really great if we had a nurse. He says, just so happens she's sitting in the back seat. God takes care of us along the way. The other promise? You and you, all the families of the earth, shall be blessed. Now you know what that means. Abraham, I'm going to use you to bring my son into the world. Messiah, Savior, is going to come from your family. Well, folks, God calls you. He's going to make you a blessing to others. You know, I'm sitting there thinking about people who've been a blessing in my life, people who, who didn't think they were. And I think I thought of one man who had a crippling form of arthritis. His fingers were all crippled up most of the time, he was in a wheelchair. Spent 30 years like that. How could he be a blessing? All I can tell you is that when I would go to visit him, he did more to bless my faith than I ever did for him. And the other person I thought of was a layman from the Evangelical Fellowship Chapel of Elk Grove, Illinois, where I went to youth ministry. This man was not a pastor. He, he had a full-time day job. Every Friday night, for years before I came to that youth ministry and years after I left, for three years of my life, Mr. Engelman was at church on Friday night leading Bible study, and teaching us about Jesus. I look at my Facebook friends from that youth group, and almost every one of them is a believer in Jesus Christ today. Not all pastors or anything. Some of them are musicians. Some of them are doing other things. I doubt that this man knows what impact he had or how God used him. But God did. You 
may not be aware of what a difference God makes through you. But He does. How do we know? Because He has promised to make you a blessing. Imagine what He's doing. Imagine what He will do. And remember, God always begins with one. With you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life that is everlasting. Amen.